Have you ever been tempted to give up or check out in your walk with God? Have you been at a place in life's journey where you felt overwhelmed and overshadowed by life's obstacles, setbacks, or heartaches? It could be you are at such a place right now, a place where you are hungering for hope. If so, then Hope Along the Journey podcast is a ministry of encouragement created specifically with you and others just like you in mind. And now, here is your host, Mark Cravens, to share a word of encouragement with you today. Well, thank you for listening to today's Hope Along the Journey podcast. Hi, I'm Mark Cravens, your podcast host, and it is a joy to have you with us today as we share together the good news of the hope that is found in Jesus Christ. It's a great joy today for me to have here by way of Zoom, Sarah Geringer, all the way from Jackson, Missouri. Sarah, welcome to today's podcast. I am so glad to be here with you, Mark, and your listeners too. Well, thank you. And I am just so excited about having you. We, we talked weeks ago, and you're a busy lady, and we finally got this time slot worked out. So I'm delighted to have you. For those of you that don't know Sarah, Sarah is a Christian author, a blogger. She's a great speaker. She's an artist. She's a wife and mother of three. She has a podcast titled Heart in the Drawer, Exploring Hurt, Healing, and Hope as an adult child of divorce. Um, she also calls herself a creative coach. So somewhere along the way, I think that that just begs to have a little more uh, bigger understanding around that, because I love that, a creative coach. But she loves talking about themes like encouragement, Christian living, spiritual growth, um, how to change your mindset. So a lot of great things. So we want to hear Sarah's story today. So Sarah, again, welcome. And maybe you can explain what might be going on in the background in case we hear the dogs barking today. Yes, actually, that is my Memphis. He's my 115-pound lab. Uh, my my The men in my family are going deer hunting this weekend, so <laughs> he's excited to see them while they pick up their stuff. And it's a good segue into this project I've just written about, I will have a book coming out in the fall of 2022, and it's about going on prayer walks with my dog, Memphis, and mm -hmm. getting prompts just from what we see in nature. So mm -hmm. it's kind of about demystifying prayer for people. And I have lived in this uh, area for 17 years, but mm -hmm. I didn't go on walks until I had a lab puppy forcing me to uh, help him get his exercise. So uh, he is kind of like my fourth child in terms of how much he eats and how much uh, attention he requires. So Abs Absolutely. <laughs> I, I know we've got a dog at our house and a cat. And so I understand they, they kind of, there's a lot of maintenance, a lot of joy, but a lot of maintenance too. Yes. So yes. Well, I'm glad he's he's helped you with your prayer life. That's encouraging to know. So maybe everybody out there needs to get them a good Labrador retriever. Yeah. Well, and they Sarah, don't tell any of your secrets. That's another good thing. I can say anything I want in front of him, and he only he and God know about it. So. That's right. You know, one thing I love too, and it will get to your story, is you can be gone five minutes and come back, and they will greet you like you've been gone a month. Yes, you know, they will just go crazy when you yeah. walk in the door. So there's something about that. Well, let's talk 
Sarah, today about your story, because as I know, and as we've shared together in the past, you have a very special story, a story that has shaped you and has actually become a way for you to minister to a number of people whose story may be similar or may intersect with your story. So take us back to your childhood and tell us who Sarah is and about the story in the background that sets the stage for who you are today. I love doing this. So I am a fifth generation resident of Southeast Missouri. Uh, I'm very, very, very blessed to live in this uh, portion of the United States. Uh, A lot of people here have really deep roots like me. And that's partly because there was uh, influx in the mid 18, like 50s to 60s of German immigrants. And they came here to uh, be free to worship in the way that they wanted to. So there's a strong religious heritage in this region. And my great grandparents were part of that. And so they passed their faith down to me. My grandparents, uh, that was that would have been their son, also really set an example of faith for me. Just living out your faith in a quiet and humble and submissive way. And uh, they were farmers. And uh, they just, I think, felt very connected to the land. And I feel that same way, even though I'm a gardener. I'm not a farmer. Um, And one part of the reason that they were so influential in in my life is my uh, parents divorced when I was four. And at the time, uh, my mom and dad were living in the basement of my paternal grandfather. He had also been divorced and he had seen what that had done to his four children and I think that he had a heart for us. And so for about three or four years after that, they let my mom, who was the Mm -hmm. in-law, live in the basement with me and my sister so she could get on her feet financially. So my grandparents and then my great-grandparents at the family farm, which is kind of close to where I live now. I'm not in town. I'm out in the country. they were steady rocks for me in the chaos that was my world as a child of divorce. And um, church was hugely important to them. Mm-hmm. And so I've been going to church every week since I was born, basically. And then when I started school, the school was connected with the church. So the church was my whole life. It was, it was also a steady rock. Mm-hmm. in uh, in my world as a child. And I'm so grateful that that's kind of a signature of this region. Uh, church is a big deal. Um, one of the statistics pre-pandemic for my county, Cape Girardeau County, that I'm from is that 74% of our residents attend church at least once a month. And I have, yes, I've, Mm -hmm. I've swapped notes with people around the country and I've never heard a 
a comparable statistic. So faith is really important. And mm-hmm. I really feel like God planted me here because he knew I would be surrounded by people of faith who could help me mm-hmm. uh, become my family. That's that's really what Jesus meant, I think, when it was a he was in a house teaching and his mother and brothers came and they wanted to talk with him. And he said, who are my mother and sister and brothers? It's all these followers around me. And I think it's because when we become adults, it's not that our, our biological families aren't important, but God created the church to be our family for us. And that's especially helpful and healing for children of divorce when you might not have a safe father figure in your life, you might not have a safe mother figure, you might have broken sibling relationships, but you mm-hmm. can find that healing within the body of Christ, which is mm-hmm. Christianese for the church. So that that was a very important part of my story mm-hmm. growing up. Well, let me just back up, because that, that's beautiful what you've shared there, because I think you've hit on two very important things that, that I think all of us can pick up on, and that is as we try to minister with people who are involved in in divorce situations, especially children that are caught in that painful trauma. And you you said to me two things that I found very helpful. Number one, you talked about the role of other family coming in alongside, because it seems to me that was that was very strategic for you, wasn't it? That your family yes. come alongside. Mm-hmm. And then the household of faith, that that spiritual household and family to come along as well. So in your own spiritual walk, how did, how did this divorce, how did this trauma in your home affect you in your walk with God? Or were you able to find that it didn't create a lot of struggles for you because of the family and the, and the church family that you had? Well, I am one of those people... Um, who are getting rarer and rarer in the United States, who I don't have a memory of not knowing who God is. Mm -hmm. Um, My first memory, I have a photographic memory. Uh, My first memory related to God was being in church when I was three years old. This is before Mm -hmm. the divorce. And just feeling a sense of God, the father, um, Mm that he was high and mighty and holy. I grew up in a a denomination that really had a high reverence for God. And that was a great comfort to me. So I think even though most people probably don't encounter the triune God in this way, necessarily, he was my father first. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that was, um, an, uh, an intentional way God was reaching out to me because he knew I was going to suffer from a father wound. Mm-hmm. And then in high school, uh, we switched churches and um, we were going through a transition period and we were listening um, to Dr. Charles Stanley's mm-hmm. TV sermons on Sunday evenings. And uh-huh. Uh, Baptists are very mm-hmm. focused on uh, the Holy Spirit empowering you to mm-hmm. have a personal relationship with God. 
And so uh, there's an altar call at the end of every service that did not exist in, in my church that I grew up in. And one uh, Sunday evening, I just felt God speaking to me through Dr. Stanley's sermon. And I felt like I needed to do my own version of the altar call. So Mm -hmm. after that was over, I went in the basement and there was a little bathroom in there that was kind of mine. And I just knelt down on the floor and I said, you know, I can't do my life anymore on my own, Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I want you to come into my heart. And I was, I was a believer. Mm -hmm. I just wasn't a born again believer yet. And I felt a sense of the Holy spirit. I felt like a warm Mm -hmm. presence. It was peaceful. Uh, I mean, I couldn't touch it, but I knew it was real. And then about, uh, again, I think that was God's, I know it was God's timing Mm -hmm. uh, because I knew his word. I, I had memorized a hundred Bible verses for my confirmation in eighth grade. Uh, I knew all the Bible stories um, really well Um, because I grew up in the Lutheran tradition and Lutherans are very Mm -hmm. focused on sola scriptura, which is everything is about the Bible. So, uh, and then I had had that personal encounter with God. Um, And then about two months later, uh, my best friend Uh, Her dad was the pastor of our former church, and they got a call to go up to the St. Louis area, about 100 miles north, and I entered this severe depression because she was really the only person I felt who understood me, who I could just be myself with. I didn't feel that way in my family, and when she left, it was just utterly devastating to me as a 16-year-old, so Uh, I entered this suicidal depression and I was laying in my bed in the afternoon, which is a trigger time for children of divorce, because if you're a latchkey kid, you come home, there's no adult there, you can get into all kinds of trouble. Mm -hmm. And that was the kind of trouble I was getting into. And uh, I just felt the Holy Spirit's presence again. And he said, I don't want you to think these thoughts anymore. I mean, it wasn't an audible voice, but Mm -hmm. it was a strong impression in my spirit. I knew it was the Lord. It was so different from the kind of rhetoric that had been running through my head. I knew it was God. Mm -hmm. And it was like a firm and loving voice. It wasn't judgmental or harsh. And I knew it was the Holy Spirit speaking to me. Mm -hmm. And so from that day onward, I never have gotten that low. I, uh, mental illness runs on both sides of my family. So I am prone to depression, especially seasonal affective disorder, which this time of year, anytime the fall time change happens until the spring time change, I have to be very mindful mm-hmm. of, uh, my triggers. So, um, So I'm actually grateful that that's the only degree of mental problem that I have to deal with. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I do have to manage that. But it's never, it's never gotten that dark since that time. And I know it's because God was laying his hand of protection on me. Sure. So 
So I really knew God, the father first, then God, the Holy spirit. Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, I always knew Jesus. You can't really be a Christian in America and not hear about Jesus. But I think it wasn't until my thirties, mid thirties, when I was going through some healing, Mm -hmm. I went, started seeing a therapist. I went to my therapist for five years. Uh, I think that's when God was really saying, you need to lean in to knowing my son. Mm -hmm. And so I started praying directly to Jesus, leaning on him more, asking him to guide me, show me, become my friend, uh, because Mm -hmm. he's, he's a friend of sinners, like he says. And so I think that most people that I know meet Jesus first because he was a person. And so that feels relatable to them. Mm -hmm. Um, And then maybe the Holy spirit, maybe that we have kind of a problem going on in America right now with understanding who the Holy spirit is, because we haven't, we haven't taught enough about him. Mm -hmm. That's Um, so true. That is true. But, uh, and then people really have hangups about the father based on what they've experienced with their fathers. But for me, you know, God in his sovereignty, uh, introduced himself like the gentleman that he is in the ways that I needed to get to know him. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it's been a wonderful journey. It's been, uh, what I've learned about God through this is that he loves to give surprises, like good surprises. And also anytime I think that I've learned all I can learn or that I've hit a wall in a problem, if I just ask God for help, it's like he opens up a whole new area that I didn't even know existed. So so living this life of faith with him really is an adventure. And uh, I just learn more about him every time that I pray and every time that I open his word. That's beautiful, Sarah. I, I thank you for taking the time to share more in depth about your testimony, because I think God does deal uniquely with all of us. He meets us at our at our point and level of understanding. Mm-hmm. And I think that's very fascinating how, for you, is more a beginning with an introduction of God the Father, and then eventually, in a time of healing in your life, it was more about learning who Jesus was. But God is gracious, and He is so good to meet us where we are. And I think a lot of people, would you not agree with me, a lot of people, they get, they're trying to piece it all together when what they really need to do is just start where they are with what they know and start responding to God in the way they understand at that point. Yeah, and I think for most people, it's going to be sitting at Jesus' feet mm-hmm. like Mary did. Yeah. Uh, and the American culture, we're very fast-paced, busy, mm-hmm. overwhelmed, like Martha. And I'm an Enneagram yes. one, so <laughs> I struggle with that all the time. Uh-huh. But I think that one of the primary ways that God wants to reach people now mm-hmm. is to say, just sit at my feet and listen. And mm-hmm. I think about the people who don't know the Lord and it's just because they don't know that he's so loving and he's so kind and he's so willing to just meet us where we're at. That's right. 
So That's great. So tell me, Sarah, did you ever have a moment when you were younger, in those younger teenage years, where you ever thought that you would be an author, a blogger, a speaker, an artist? Uh, did, did you ever think you would be doing what you're doing today? Or is that more of like, as I look back in the rearview mirror, I see how God was putting all the pieces together? Well, if you would have asked me starting at three years old, what I wanted to be when I grew up, it would have been an artist. I was like the best in my class, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. um, when I was 10, I got a journal for Christmas. So I started writing. Um, and then when I was 13, we were just writing composition, you know, the composition Mm -hmm. books that we get from eighth grade. So I wrote an essay on Thanksgiving because I love the food. I'm a foodie. (laughs) And my teacher um, just said, your writing is fun to read. Have you ever thought about becoming a writer? I'm like, well, no, but yeah, I mean, I like doing it. And so when I was a teenager, I thought I would write and illustrate children's books. Mm -hmm. And so when I went to college, uh, I was an English and art major, a double major. Um, And I ended up getting my degrees in English and in graphic design and illustration. So, again, I'm one of those rare people that actually is doing what they studied to do and what they wanted to do when they were a kid. So, yeah, I think God, I mean, I didn't know, you know, blogging didn't really exist until the mid 2000s. Um, And. I didn't, I didn't have any concept of podcasting. Are you kidding me? Right. I mean, I listened to John MacArthur and focus on the right, family right. And Michael Youssef on the radio, but I never in a million years thought I would be doing that kind of in my own way myself. So, but yeah, I think that God um, prepared me for this too, in different mm-hmm. ways. And I love to talk about this. I don't get to talk about it very often, but when I graduated with my graphic design degree. And I was, I'm, I'm not trying to be arrogant, but I was like a star student. I always was. I was in the gifted program. You know, this was just, I was used to being at the top of the class and my classmates respected me for that and kind of considered me a leader. And yet when I went into the job market, I'm starting off at the very bottom of the totem pole, like most of us have to do, right? So I was a secretary at an ad agency here at like a front receptionist. So answering phones, you know, getting coffee for people. I mean, not what I was doing (laughs) in school. That was very humbling, Uh almost humiliating, honestly. But one of the ladies, uh, one of the higher ups, there's a really cool gal. And she took me aside one day and she said, you know, Sarah, she said, uh, because I was working on uh, promoting the local home home and garden show. So we were talking about that and I had to sell ads and booths and sales. Like I, I still, I feel like sales are when you pet a cat backward, their ears just go backward. (laughs) They're mad. You know, that's how I feel about selling stuff. It's not, some people love it. Not my favorite thing. But what she said to me is she said, here's the deal about sales. She said, 
you can take it into anything you do the rest of your life and it will make you better at it because you have to brush up on your people skills to do sales well. And she said, you can do soft sales, hard sales. She's like, you're more of a soft sales person. I can just tell. But she's like, I know this is not really what you want to do, but I guarantee you this Mm -hmm. will pay forward in your life. And she was so right. There's so many writers um, and even speakers who are like, I don't want to do the marketing. I hate that part. But I think God had that in mind when Absolutely. I was doing that, yes. you know, yes. grudge work. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I actually, uh, for nine years after that, I got away from the ad agency and just did the home and garden show by myself and had to work with a lot of people. Uh, I worked from home and that requires a ton of self-discipline, um, mm-hmm. a lot of self-motivation, keeping yourself organized. Uh, and so he was setting all that up yes, for me. Was. That's right. To yeah. do what I need to do now. So that's so fascinating. I'm glad you shared that because sometimes we wonder where these, uh, you know, it's like working a puzzle. You ever picked up a piece and thought, where in the world is this going to go? But in time, you realize that that piece has a place. Mm-hmm. And sometimes things in our life, I remember my mother making me take typing when I was in high school <laughs> right. I, on, on an old Royal typewriter, Sarah, yeah. it was so painful. I felt you know, like this is what sissies do. Sissies do typing. Of course, you got to realize I came from a redneck family in Southern Indiana. And, but now every day of my life, I'm on a keyboard and have spent most of my life at the keyboard teaching preaching, preparing sermons, emails, you name it. And I look back and I thank God that my mom had made me take a year of typing. I'd yeah. be lost without it, you know? Exactly. So, well, Sarah, I, if we could, I'd like for you to just kind of tell us a little bit about how today are you using some of, some of the pain and trauma of your background? How is that being used today? In, the, in how you're ministering and writing and, and what you're doing, how, how does some of that translate into the ministry you have today? Sure. So just a short story to get this set up, because mm-hmm. it really does affect everything I do. Um, so my best friend that I talked about in high school, we're still best friends. We've been close for over 30 years. So it's such a blessing. Um, but her dad was the pastor, like I said. And when I would go over to her house for dinner, they would start, they would end the meal by reading the Bible Mm -hmm. together as a family. And that really intrigued me. And uh, it kind of bothered me that as much as I knew about the Bible, I went to, um, like I said, Christian school growing up. I went to a Christian college to get my English degree. I had gone to church weekly for my whole life but I had never read the whole Bible from front to back. Mm -hmm. And so this was 2003. So I was a newlywed, didn't have children yet. And I went to the local bookstore and asked for a Bible that would set me up better to accomplish that goal because I didn't feel like the Bibles I had were going to help me do that real well. And so the clerk said, have you ever heard of the one year Bible? I hadn't. So it's just set up into daily readings. There's all kinds of versions of it. And I just picked this one 
and the one that I picked, I don't think it exists anymore. It's out of print. But the editors had put one verse in bold of every day's reading, whether it was Old Testament, New Testament, Psalms, or Proverbs. They just put one verse in bold. And I had learned from all my learning, if something's in bold, it means pay attention to it, right? Mm -hmm. So I sat down January 1st, 2003, and read the whole thing. The reading of the day took 10 minutes. And the focus verse that was in bold, I just decided I was going to mull on that. I would not have called that Christian meditation. I was just thinking deeply about Mm -hmm. what did that verse mean? What did it tell me about God? What did it tell me about myself, the kind of life he wanted me to live? And what did it tell me about other people? So those were the three filters I would put that verse through. Sometimes I would write it on a three by five car to take it with me to work. Mm -hmm. Or I'd put it in the kitchen windowsill while I was washing dishes or cooking so I could keep looking at it and thinking about it. And I would say within three weeks, I felt everything changing inside, like a whole paradigm shift Mm -hmm. of how I was looking at the world. And remember, I was a church girl. I had a bachelor's degree from a Christian college, but this is the first time it was just me sitting down with my Bible and the Holy Spirit, letting him work in my heart. And what Mm -hmm. I was discovering was it had been pounded into my head. And I'm glad it was that this Bible is true. There, there is nothing uh, in error in it. It is whole. It is holy. This is the truth. So I went into it with that presupposition. Mm -hmm. So as I was reading these verses, I was thinking, Well, if this is true, then what I'm hearing inside of myself is just a bunch of lies. And I had never recognized that before. I had never thought about what I was thinking Mm -hmm. was just rehearsing a ton of lies, lies that I was telling myself, lies that Satan was whispering to me, and Mm -hmm. lies that other people had spoken into my life. And so through that process, through that first year of going through God's word, God was systematically dismantling all these lies that I had really been in bondage to and replacing them with truth. And this was the year before uh, I became a mom. And I think that was God's timing, too, because I think he wanted me as a child of divorce, multi-generations of divorce in my family, also married to a child of divorce. He wanted me to be the catalyst of change to start a new path. And I think he knew that I needed to have all those lies broken through the power of his word. Right. So I could be the kind of mother that he wanted me to be to start a whole new generation of faith in my family. And so out of interacting with God's word, I became more active in small groups in my church, first by participating and then by leading them. And then I had been writing in journals ever since I was 10. And if you are a writer and that's, that's a calling God has put on your life, you know that you can't not do it. 
it's like this burning in you Mm -hmm. to produce. And so once blogging became the thing, I started trying that and that kind of got me started on pursuing that dream that I had. Uh, I didn't really get serious about that until 2015. That was after I had been through five years of therapy. So I was then writing from a healed place rather than just venting my angry and frustrated thoughts in an online journal. I don't think that's healthy to do anyway. We got way too much of that going on on the that's, internet. Yeah, you're so, absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're you, yeah. you need to be helping people and help making them think, not just giving them more to complain about, I think. And so then uh, you know, I I kind of had that dream planted in me when I was 13 years old of being an author someday. And so the more I blogged, the more I realized I could start self-publishing. And I read a book by Uh, Michael Hyatt. And uh, it's still fabulous. It's called Platform. And I recommend it to anybody who's interested in writing and speaking. But he had a chapter in there on why you should consider traditionally publishing, even though that's a whole different avenue. Um, And I really liked what he had to say. He's a super wise guy. He's a Christian. And I thought that's what I want to do with my life. And so I knew that part of what he had said was you need to network yourself at conferences. So I saved up and I went to the She Speaks conference uh, in 2017. And that's put on by Proverbs 31 Ministries. And that's where I met my agent, even though she wasn't an agent at the time, she was just a fellow author public or pitching her idea like I was. Mm -hmm. But because of the connections we made when she became an agent, then uh, we established a connection. I signed with her in March of 2018. And then in two months, she had gotten me a book contract. And uh, that's awesome. yeah. 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 yeah, it all just worked together and it was just out of asking and seeking and knocking yeah. and continuing to pursue that calling that I felt like God had put on my life. So, yeah, it all kind of came together through that. Well, Sarah, I so appreciate you being willing, sharing all that today because I think I feel like your life it speaks as an inspiration to a number of people um, who've gone through the trauma of divorce and and have not have not been able to find their way through it to find the healing to find and it's great to hear stories of people who through the grace of God the love of others have experienced healing and have seen how God has taken as Joseph said you meant this for evil but God meant it for good and somehow through it all God does something very wonderful and taking our mess and turning it into a message to others. And God has certainly done that in your life. Tell us, tell our listeners a little bit about your website, about your book, so that they can learn more about you and maybe pick up on some of your material. So I have two books on Christian meditation, which, like I said, that's, that's what I was doing, even though I didn't realize that's what I was doing. Mm-hmm. So one is... The one for adults is called Transforming Your Thought Life, Christian Meditation and Focus, and it helps you in 17 different thought life problem areas. 
And then I also published this year uh, the teen version of that book. It's called Transforming Your Thought Life for Teens, Renew Your Mind with God. So it has uh, four more chapters because teens deal with different problems than we do as adults. And the chapters are a little bit shorter to just help them because they're so busy and their attention spans aren't quite as long. Um, Like I said, I have that next book coming out in 2022 about prayer walking and connecting with God in nature. I also have three self-published books. They're much shorter in length. One is called Christmas Peace for Busy Moms. Uh, The other one is called Newness of Life, Trusting God in Times of Transition. And then The Fruitful Life, A Unique Look at the Fruits of the Spirit. So uh, those are on my website. And also um, the main podcast I have, The Heart in the Drawer, the one for adult children of divorce, was actually the first idea that I pitched as a book at She Speaks. And the feedback that I've heard on it is, We love this concept, but it's a third or fourth or fifth book because it's a niche. And so I was in a mastermind group in August 2020, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me in the middle of that group, which is a bunch of podcasters. And I was just in there wanting to be a guest on podcasts like I'm doing today. Mm -hmm. And the Holy Spirit said, you know, that book you want to write, you need to make it into a podcast first. So that's That's actually what I'm doing Mm -hmm. just out of obedience to God. And uh, it's just a joy uh, because podcasting is such an intimate uh, Mm -hmm. format of communication. I think that the Lord wants it to exist in that format first uh, to build that trust with, uh, with my listeners. And then my second podcast is called Finding Peace in God's Word. And that is where I am repurposing my over 800 blog posts into audio format. So you can go to Mm saragaringer.com and you'll see all of that information on the front page. Well, that's awesome. And we, like I told you earlier, we will put your website at the bottom of the information on this podcast as well. Sarah, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule. In fact, you told me you already you got another recording yet to do this afternoon. Right. Yeah. You're a busy guy. And if I remember from our conversation way back, you get up and get started like at six or six thirty in the morning, don't you? Mm, earlier than that, usually. Earlier than yeah. that. Wow. Yeah, you... I'm about five o'clock, but I'm in bed and asleep by nine o'clock. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, you sure are producing a lot. You're a busy lady, and I certainly appreciate you being on the podcast. Listeners, thank you today for listening to Hope Along the Journey podcast. And as Sarah's testimony just underscores even more, if you look to Jesus, he'll help you to find hope along the journey because he truly is the hope of the world. God bless you, and thank you for listening today. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you would like to know more about Hope Along the Journey, or if you would like to make a donation to show your support and appreciation for this ministry, then visit our website at hopealongthejourney.org. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us again for more Hope Along the Journey.